What's going on, everybody? And thank you so much for tuning in. So uh, going to be chatting today with my good friend, Mark Timoney. Mark, how's it going? It's going really well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hi. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, so Mark is the author of The Blood of the Spear, The Eye of Eternity, book number one, the gorgeous Felix Ortiz cover. I'm going to try to get it to where it doesn't have a glare in it. Yeah. Uh, it's so pretty. Um, and uh, actually was just on a Storytellers on Tour uh, last week where we were supposed to have this chat. But of course, uh, I decided to get ill for it and uh, didn't end up happening. So we're having a little bit of a makeup session right. today. So uh, I really appreciate you cutting some time out. But um, Mark, I just want to kind of start out like I always do. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me about, you know, uh, did you read a lot growing up? Who did you read? Who were some of your favorite authors? Maybe some of your favorite books uh, and kind of how you got into writing? Sure. Um, well, I, for those who don't know, I, I'm Australian. I live in Sydney. Um, as I mentioned earlier to you, I'm currently in lockdown again here, um, which is fun, but I actually quite like it. <laughs> um, when did I get into reading? So I've always been a bit of a reader. I remember borrowing books from the school library at a young age. Um, obviously, they were picture books, and I was kind of into um, anything that was magical. So anything that had uh, witches, um, dragons, stuff like that on the front cover. Um, I remember watching the early Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, early 80s cartoon, uh, growing up and really being into that. Although I never actually pay, played D&D in my life. I've never done it. Um, it's okay, I haven't either. <laughs> yeah, so I was really into that and I would write fanfic about it. Like I'm talking, I was really young and the stories went absolutely nowhere, but I would use elements from it and the ideas behind it. I thought that was really cool. Um, I was into Doctor Who as well. And I used to borrow the Doctor Who books from the library, probably a little too advanced for my reading level at the time but I'd take them and I'd pretend to read them, whatever. And then eventually I went um, from my primary school to the last two years of primary, I moved to another school that started with the last two years of primary and moved into high school. And when I was there, I went to the library and it was a bigger library, it was a better library. And I discovered Dragons of Autumn Twilight by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, first book of the Dragonlance Chronicles. And it was magic. It just blew me away. All of a sudden, I had a book in my hand that was like the stuff I watched in, in the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. Um, it was like the little stories I used to run in my head about wizards and dragons and all of that. And I became utterly obsessed with epic fantasy um, after that. I didn't know it existed beforehand. So I hadn't been exposed to Tolkien first. I hadn't gone through The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Um, my introduction to fantasy was Dragonlance. So that was when they were first being published as well. So kind of aging myself here, but that was, that's um, when I started reading. Um, and from there, I discovered um, David Eddings um, before it was David and Lee Eddings. I mean, it was always David and Lee Eddings, but his wife didn't have a... Uh, um, recognition on the front cover um feist um i read herbert as well the original june books i did try to read tolkien i actually never clicked with tolkien mm. um which is a little i know heretical to some people um but 
I don't know, there was something about his writing that just didn't didn't grab me. I really appreciate what he did and how he did it in the world building, but I just couldn't connect to the story. So I don't, I never really read them properly. I think there was a lot of skimming from memory in mm. it. Um, I obviously watched the movies and I really enjoyed the movies, but reading the books and I have tried to go back. I even have an omnibus up there um, of it, but I'm just like, yeah, just, it will have pride of place on my bookshelf. It's just something that I've never actually read. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so my uh, fanfic of the D&D cartoon became then fanfic of Dragonlance. And I had grand ideas of continuing the story after the trilogies that I read had finished. Um, it never went anywhere or nothing particular would have happened from it. I found, I found and find writing to be challenging, um, which is probably why it took me something like 20 years to get Blood of the Spear completed. It won't take me that long to get the next one done. My um, ability to write has changed dramatically. Uh, my experience at writing has changed dramatically. And I know that um, uh, getting ideas down onto paper once I get over the hurdle of actually having to start it um, happens, flows fairly quickly. And once mm. I'm in a flow, it happens. But um, yeah, I read all those things, wrote some fanfic about Dragonlance, and then I discovered the eye of the world probably about I think it was about 10 months after it originally been released and I found it at the local library and yeah Robert Jordan I feel I say it all the time he changed my life in terms of what I was looking for in fantasy books um big epic sagas um and kind of um formulated the type of writer I wanted to be um the type of story I wanted to tell, the scope of the story I started imagining. And I, to this day, when I'm looking for books to read, I always look for something big and chunky, mm. um, something that's got this um, massive amount of world building behind it. And I know people don't like prophecies. I'd actually don't mind them. There are a lot of um, tropes that some people don't like that I have no problem with as long mm. as the story is told well. Yeah. Um, it was like when I read um, Aragon uh, for the first time, I know that you know, he's got a massive fan base as well, but there's also some um, people who criticize how reminiscent it was of other stories. Um, I don't care. <laughs> it's like, if you're telling, it's like wearing comfortable shoes, right? Um, it's like, oh, you know, it's a different color, but that's cool. Give me yeah. characters and give me a slightly different twist on your world building. and. I'm in for the ride. That's fine. I think some um, people also forget how young he was when he wrote that series. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like um, the fact that he made it so big, so young, like, let's look yeah. past some of the similarities. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Um, so, so tropes don't worry me so much um, in the stuff that I read. Um, and when I'm looking for epic fantasy, it doesn't worry me if it's the, you know, the basis of the story has been told a hundred times before. You know, give me something different with the stage you set it on. That's fine. Uh, yeah. In, make can have me connect to the characters, or you know, root for root for them and what they're doing. Um, and I kind of go back to this idea that we were basically telling the same stories about heroes and gods around the campfire for centuries before 
new things started coming and all things started morphing out of that. And even then, the basic plots tend to remain the same. So mm. um, that sort of thing doesn't worry me in my reading or what I'm looking for. And probably um, uh, influences itself a bit in the type of stuff I write as well. I mean, I can't imagine that there's anything massively new uh, in Blood of the Spear, but I like to, I've had really good feedback on my characters and the world building, uh, the magic system in place, um, and then even positive references to um, uh, not similarities, but um, the feel of the Wheel of Time in it. Um, so, that's cool. When I did start it, I was basically rewriting the Wheel of Time. And it was only later in the process that I was like, you can't do that. It's like, it has to be different. You have to make it more of your own. So that book has been rewritten about nine times wow. um, over the course of <laughs> um, probably nearing 20 years, give or take. Um, and uh, that's not writing full-time the entire time right there were large gaps of putting it away in the in the um in the drawer and um not writing for years <laughs> and then pulling it out and going back to it um how did i come up with it i basically i'd been world building i i love i love world building i love making notes i love envisioning um places um i draw maps i do my own my own hand-drawn maps first and then i had it when i go for publication i hand it over to um a mate um deck matthews who redrew the map for me um, mm. i really like his style um he redid it for me and um I do all of that sort of stuff and then I work out what all the different realms or kingdoms are like, what's, you know, a basis for their cultural identity and then I build from that. Um, have very loose timelines involved. I usually like to have something, some f distant past event that might underpin a lot of the stuff that is working in the world today that doesn't even need to be referenced directly in the story, but for me, it influences what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. um, so I did a lot of that for a number of years, always, you know, I'm gonna write this book and I'm gonna do this thing, um, but I didn't have a story. I didn't have, you know, what, what's it actually gonna be about? Like, who is your, who's your main character? Um, and, then I came across a painting by um, Larry Elmore, who is one of the um, Wizards of the Coast um, artists, um, who did a lot of stuff with Dragonlance and Forgotten Realms and all of that stuff, Dragon Magazine. And it was um, a fight between a warrior or a knight and a magic user slash shaman. And it was a still scene. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, who were they? You know, and in my head, I started creating this story about who are they? Why are they fighting? And that basically formed the character, the two guys who became my main characters mm. um, for my story. And then as soon as I had them, I was off and running. Like, well, I know where we're going to go to the end. I know that part. And I know particular spots in between the beginning and the end. Um, 
and a lot of the rest of it is still a little up in the air. I don't know specifically um, what's going to happen. So I'm kind of this um, hybrid, uh, what is it, pan uh, seat of the pants or panzer? Panzer, uh, yeah. A panzer and a um, plotter. So I do have a plot, I have a direction. I remember having a conversation with Elizabeth Moon once. Um, so I used to work for um, a independent science fiction fantasy bookshop in Sydney, Galaxy Bookshop. And they're the only one of its kind um, in Sydney. And we would, anytime a sci-fi or fantasy author would come through, they would come and visit and we'd do signings and stuff like that. And I was talking to her about plotting and she described it as exactly almost the same way. She would have um, a beginning and usually an end and she would liken it to when she'd go hiking in the mountains and she would start off at a ridge or somewhere and the valley was covered in mist. She didn't know what was down in the valley, but she could see a peak or that she wanted to get to over the other side. So she knew where she was starting from and she knew where she was going to go, uh, where she was heading towards, but she didn't know what was in between. Mm -hmm. And it was the actual act of writing or hiking, going through the walk, going down into the valley and, and out the other side that that created for or um, evolved the story as she went. And that's probably a really good analogy for me too. I mm. find I found I had previously, <laughs> there was a stage where I thought I was going to be a contemporary author, an author of contemporary fiction. And I had plotted an entire book and I'd plotted every single chapter out and everything that was going to happen in each chapter. And I got to the end and I was like, I've written it now. I don't want to go back and do it yeah so I gave that away um and then I went back to my love of fantasy and that time when I went back to the, my love of fantasy I didn't do all of that I mm. just had notes I had uh, uh points on the map that I wanted to and I don't mean the physical map that I drew but in my head uh, the map of the story I had points I wanted to get to um and I suppose I I based the ebb and flow of the story on the structure of novels that I had previously read. Mm -hmm. So I'd never done any formal training for writing or writing structure. I hadn't gone to uni and studied, uh, gotten a master's in English literature or anything like that. It's all just been um, my high school education in English um, and years and years of reading. Um, and that got me to where I went. And then I got, um, beta readers, um, alpha and beta readers, um, who had, had a lot of experience in the genre as well to give me feedback. And then I hired editors and I listened to them. It was a little bit hard at first, um, getting, it took me a little while to get past that. Okay. This is feedback and this is to help, you know, mm -hmm. it's actually not a criticism. Right. Um, and I take feedback these days a lot better than I did previously, which is good considering it's now out of the public domain. Right. So, you know, <laughs> um, it's a little too late if you didn't. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so it was a long journey. Um, and in that time, you know, working at Galaxy and meeting other authors as well. So people like uh, Karen Miller, Jennifer Fallon, Trudy Canavan, um, an Aussie author, Tony Shilato. Um, I've gotten to meet Peter V. Brett when he came to Australia, um, George R. R. Martin twice when he's been out here, um, Richard Morgan. 
Um, lots of people come through. Uh, they've all been lovely. Um, build up some friendships with some of them as well. Um, Karen Miller is a really good mate these days. Um, I've beat a red for her quite a bit. I um, inadvertently ended up getting an acknowledgement as a beta reader for one of Jannie Wirt's um, books. Oh, wow. Um, she, um, the publisher, HarperCollins, would send us advanced reading copies and sometimes they'd just send us copies of the manuscript to read. And I got one of her books because I was a massive fan and she knew I was reading it because I was active um, on her forums and gave us some feedback of what I'd come across in, you know, I found a particular passage or a chapter a little bit um, dense and I was tripping over some of the stuff that was happening and you know just she I think she had asked or I offered it she would have to have asked I wouldn't have offered the feedback if I'm not asked um, <laughs> and hey, I gave her that this, but, uh, here. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um, she found that really helpful and you know so I kind of got an acknowledgement from her and that which is which was great um and um, yeah, I'd beta read for, for I, so I did that for her. I'd beta read for Karen Miller, uh, Jennifer Fallon. Um, and that sort of experience helped as well. Mm -hmm. um, seeing other writers work in a pre published form um, before it's finished being polished, while it's still being, in, it's still in the creation process, and watching them go through and change things and adapt and take feedback or critiques um suggestions or even disregarding them if yeah. they don't match the vision of what they as the writer saw or if something i pulled up as an issue wasn't flagged by anybody else so you know could just be a me thing yeah um and that's something you need to learn to determine as a writer as well when people give you feedback is that just them or is that lots of people mm -hmm. um so that's why having a, a, a number of beta readers is usually helpful. Yeah. If all of them are saying the same thing, it's probably a, an issue. Should probably change it. Yeah. I know, yeah. Um, I know like uh, Michael J. Sullivan has a lot of like beta and gamer readers for his books. Um, I've, I've done a couple. I did his most recent one for Nolan. Um, and I did one for uh, one of his Ryria books. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's got like a massive amount of people and there's like a whole discord for it. And like, <laughs> granted, you know, yeah. his, his, his wife is the one compiling all the edits and, and Michael's yeah. like, yes, I'll do that one. No, I won't do that one. I mean, at this yeah. point, you know, he's probably just going to say no to most of it unless it's formatting. So, yeah. but um, so I'm curious, um, you know, being, being such a big Jordan fan, how did you find the, uh, the trailer for the, the new Wheel of Time <laughs> series? Um, I am cautiously optimistic um i know there's been a I, I already i've been following all the people like i i listened to um the will Wee's podcast and they're not really talking about the television show but um they sometimes discuss um things that have come through from rafe jedkins the um the showrunner um and i do watch the dusty wheel on youtube and um places like that so i i'm aware that the story is not going to be linear in terms of this is all of the the eye of uh, the eye of the world. Um, they're going to mix and match some parts of different of mm -hmm. different books together. Um, my biggest don't even know if this is criticism because I am conflicted. It's a confliction. I have <laughs> a conflict. <laughs> um, 
is just the imagery of Tarvalon that they showed. So they showed the, um, the Tarvalon and they showed the White Tower. And I'm like, <laughs> I like, I actually, I really, really like the aesthetic of it. I think it looks fantastic at the, from a fantasy point of view, but from a Wheel of Time point of view, I'm kind of like, that's not a tower. That looks like a big hill. And I'm sorry, it's not white, it's beige. So I'm like, <laughs> the Wheel of Time, it was like the shining city of Tarvalon. They had like the white shining walls. They had this massive tower. And I guess it's only that I've been reading it for, you know, 30 odd years or whatever. And I've seen lots of artwork of depictions of Tarvalon and they have a tower. Right. So in my head, I'm like, you're meant to have a tower. But that being said, I do like the look of it. I just find it hard to um, to reconcile it with my internal imagery of, yeah. the, of what Tarvalon and the White Tower look like. That is a really small niggle. Um, but it's the biggest thing that was my biggest takeaway from the trailer was like, that's not the White Tower. <laughs> um, the rest of it, I'm, I'm fine with. Um, I, it's always been, for me, one of those things where the images that you have in your book of character um, of how things might look in your imagination to how they look on the screen for me rarely um, come out the same way right um, and you know when they were first announcing cast and the, I was a little bit like what and then realizing oh you know what they are actually right um, a lot of my internal imagery of the of what the characters look like has been informed by the covers and the covers were heavily whitewashed in mm -hmm. terms of a reflection of what Jordan was actually writing it's something right. that I just didn't even notice yeah um so no, I'm totally down for it don't care I think it's more about the how the people embody the character mm -hmm. um than how they physically look for the character so I think it's really exciting I'm, yeah. I'm I am really looking forward to the 19th of November so um, you don't have, have a, you don't have it marked down your calendar no, I don't, you know, right? an alert on your phone <laughs> no it's a it's a Friday which is really good um, so I can you know stay up late after I finish work watching I think they're releasing the first three episodes on the 19th and then there's going to be one episode each Friday until the end of the year or something like that so mm -hmm. I'm like that's my Friday night sorted. Hey, I mean, I, I've, I've taken off the entire week of Thanksgiving. So, I mean, if, if I don't get to a Friday, I'll definitely have plenty of days to get to it. So I just, yeah. I'll have to avoid the internet for at least a few days if I don't get to a Friday. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, it's, it looks good. Um, I'm really, really keen to see what, um, how they actually tell the story. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of uh, New Spring is going to be dropped in the first mm -hmm. couple of episodes of all or worked into it which makes sense in terms of setting up the narrative for a visual audience um so yeah i'm i'm down for it yeah i think i saw like a notice of like yeah we're gonna have some of book one a little bit of book two and a little bit of book three yeah and i was yeah. like like, so, so this is what we're doing so yeah for, for those who haven't read the series you may as well just go ahead and read the first four books because you need to read the prequel books <laughs> so. yeah so like i was saying <laughs> I listened to, um the uh the will weaves podcast and they're basically um it's a podcast for first-time readers there are no spoilers in it but they've just finished the fires of oh, the shadow rising i think 
And instead of moving on to book six, they're going to go and read the new, uh, go and read new, new Spring now. Yeah. Because they know the television show is coming out and it's going to have some of the new Spring in it. So they want to get that done. Um, I think Danny, um, she's never read the books. Um, Brett, her co-host, um, has. He's like a massive, a massive fan. And um, so he's kind of like the guide. Uh, he sort of like, you know, might answer some questions or tries to get her to speculate about what's happening. So there are all these, all of us who are listening to it, listening to her predictions <laughs> or her commentary on what she's picking up first. Um, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I've been told that, uh, you know, and I haven't read the entire series, but I've been told like we, we were doing a, a read along for book one uh, this past month. And I was told to read New Spring after at least after book four, uh, yeah. because because of the way the timeline works out and the way that story unfolds is that it's a prequel. But you kind of like spoil a lot of stuff for the first you know four or so books. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So the plan is to try to get first four, go back into New Spring and then just like take a break yeah, <laughs> from, yeah, yeah. from the wheel for a little while. Um, um, I haven't reread read the books like physically read. Um, the words in a long time but what I have um, taken to doing is listening to the audiobooks mm -hmm. the audios are so well done with uh, Kate Redding and Michael Kramer they're just amazing it took me a little while to warm to Kramer he can be yeah. a little dry at first but Kate yeah. Redding oh my goodness she could read the phone book and I would listen to her she's amazing um, and I re read slash audio listened to new spring not too long ago and i think it's one of the best last books that jordan ever wrote mm -hmm. um because he was quite sick towards the end when he was when he was doing the writing um and i think his last published book before he passed was really got the wheel of time back on track because there'd been a number of books before those and i need to look them up i can't quite remember the the titles um like winter's hard and stuff like that and i know he had a massive cast of characters but some of them were some of the books would only have half of the characters in it and like one book had no rand at all who as far as i was concerned was the main mm -hmm. as as the dragon reborn but oh spoiler sorry <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah at, at the it was yeah it was just so so sad when when for me i'd been reading his stuff for years so when he passed away um especially after the last book was like oh my god this is back to what i remember mm -hmm. the first five six books being like wow this is fantastic um Sanderson did a great job finishing it off but i'm always disappointed in some ways you know i mean a massive tragedy that he passed away the way he did but it's like as a reader i'm like ah oh, i was i loved wheel of time was so formative for me in terms of writing and what sort of stories i want to tell mm -hmm. uh, but i also wanted the opportunity to read his work in other worlds he created so like not the conan stuff but like he'd had um plans for a um another series that he'd sold the rights to tour about that he was going to start after he finished Wheel of Time and just like notes on the premise of that sounded fantastic. It was really exciting. It's like, yeah, give me more. I want as much different stuff by you as I can get. Um, but it didn't happen, unfortunately. 
Oh. Yeah, he he had one come out posthumously, right? It was the Warrior of the is it the Alti Altai. Yeah, yeah, the Altai. I pronounce it Altai. Yeah, he did. Um, and that was the first book he had ever sold. Mm. And because of editorial changes at the company who bought it, it never got printed. Mm. Um, and then I believe Tor picked it up. Yeah. And then he started writing Conan stuff with them instead. And they never got around to printing that either. And then went to Wheel of Time and Wheel of Time took off. So it never got around to being printed and his comments at the end were that he'd written the book but it was never see the light of day Mm. because it needed to be rewritten Mm -hmm. so i obviously never got around to doing that and um his wife slash editor um uh worked at getting it released uh, fixed up and released and it was good and you can see um a lot of ideas he took from that and used to flesh out into the wheel of time as well Mm -hmm. but it wasn't up to his wheel of time writing Mm -hmm. um in fact rereading um the wheel of time if you start from book one to book three you can see the ideas he had in book one get developed and fleshed out into his own ideas and almost completely dropped by the time by the time you get to book three and Mm -hmm. it's like oh wow it's like i can see you world building as you write and discarding old stuff and now all of a sudden, this is it. And this, you found your groove. This is what your thing is. And you've moved through the rest of the story with it. Um, so if somebody is that into, into it and wants to read it multiple times to actually start picking that stuff up and noticing it. But, you know, I did. Um, a lot of my reading to, um, is often uh, educational, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'll look at it, i look at what I'm reading. And certainly when I was beta reading or even writing reviews for Galaxy, um, it used to be, I, I got to the stage where I was like, well, yeah, you can like something or you can dislike something, but why are you liking it? And why are you disliking it? So becoming critical of that sort of thing um, really helped me you know, determine what it was that I liked in writing and what it is I don't like and why I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still it's it's very hard for me these days when I read to not have my red pen going in my head as I'm reading it and finding an author where that doesn't happen is like oh my god it's just amazing yeah so when I when I get somebody who does who I just forget I'm reading I forget to be critical as I'm reading because I'm so wrapped up in it yeah that's just yeah they're like instantly top of my list (laughs) i gotcha yeah you know the the whole you know sanderson coming in and finishing the series like i'm 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 hoping that's not gonna happen with like martin like you know what we've been you know we're we're over a decade now clearly everybody knows that uh you know you do have the the people that are daily just going oh my gosh when is it gonna finish um, but like, you know, you kind of hope it doesn't come to that point where like, he's like on the verge of finishing and hopefully he doesn't have a tragic passing away and somebody's yeah. got to pick it up. Cause I'm like, well, who would pick it up? And then you've got, you know, two more books that you got to write and you've got to make them just as good, if not better than the, than the others. And you've got to make up for what everybody says is a horrible end to the series. So it's, it's, yeah. it's interesting. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't get to that point, but I'm like, man, if it, if it took, you know, over a decade to get this book out, I can't imagine how long it's going to take to get the next two out. Unless he right. just has them and he's just like, 
I'm going to release them all at the same time. You know, I, I don't see that happening, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think he has. <laughs> I think he's pretty, he's pretty open about his progress or his lack of progress yeah. on things. Yeah. Um, Plus he's look, got like I, all these like shows that he's like behind <laughs> and all stuff. Like he's got, he's got plenty going on. <laughs> yeah, he does. And like, to my mind, some of that is possibly a bit of procrastination. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get stuck somewhere or you get stuck in, uh, um, on a story or a, a thread and you don't know where to take it or it's really, really difficult to write, you look for other things to distract you from having to do that. Yep. Um, like, oh, well, I can't do that at the moment because I've got this other thing that I'm actually able to do <laughs> um, easily and quickly. So I'll do that. And I mean, I, I don't know. Gosh, I, I, George probably wouldn't even know me if he recognized, uh, recognized me if he saw me in the street. Um, so I've only met him, like I said, twice and it was only brief chats both times. But um, um, just from reading his blog posts um, and we've had other authors, we had other authors through the store who are part of his writing group. And, you know, we've mentioned waiting on, on the next um song of ice and fire book and they're like no he is he is working on it he really he is I promise you sort of thing so it's like okay yeah it's a thing <laughs> i was i was really worried when we had him in the store for a signing that people would be would start harassing him about like when's the next book where is it mm-hmm. but the publishers were like nah nah the people who come to signings are fans yeah they want they want to meet they want to get a signature they want to say oh yeah vote. And oh Rose, yeah, they're not going to come to say where's the next bloody book. Yeah, you know. Yeah, th- th- so. those people don't. Those people don't drive to signings. No, they, they, <laughs> yeah. these, are, these are people that actually like want to meet the author that wrote the books and get their signature, yeah. get a picture with them. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever been to a signing before where somebody is like avidly complaining to the author about anything. Um, yeah, granted, I haven't been to that many signings, but the ones that I have been to, you know, it, they've yeah. been very clean and clear. Yeah. So. But yeah, you know, it's 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 one of those things. Like, I, I just know he's trying to make it the best that he's making it, and it it doesn't bother me at all. I'm I'm of the notion that there are so many other books to read, and when it finally does come out, I'll, it'll jump to the top of my TBR. That that's kind of yeah. how how it is at this point. Um, I've I've found so many debut authors, indie authors, and trade um, that have just blown me away, and I'm like, game of what? Yeah. What's yeah, Game of yeah. Thrones? People, people look, to be that. honest, <laughs> having having gotten to the end of the television ser- series, even whatever the last season was, getting to the end of the story, and knowing what happens, even if George is going to change some parts leading to that end, the end's still going to be the end, basically. Right. So I know where it's going now. So I'm like, uh, the urgency in reading the next book or even the last book is gone. I'll uh-huh. read it when they come out, but I'm not like chomping at the bit to get to them it's like right. i don't have to have them now i can i can wait now and right it when it happens yeah and i mean you know people do the same thing with rothfuss and lynch and stuff and i'm like i i count myself lucky because i haven't gotten sucked into those those fandoms so like yeah i'm kind of like okay waiting for the next books to come out and then i'll do the series yeah. um because I've, I've like thought about for probably four years like i need to read name the win and i, I have all yeah. my co-bloggers are like you need to read name of the one i'm like I just I have all these other things that like I want to get to, uh, like finished series. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny is because like growing up, when I started reading stuff like in the in the nineties. There was no internet then. There was mm. no notes on when the next book was coming out. You'd get one book, and there would be like, "You just wait." 
you wait for the next one. So I'm, I don't know, maybe I've been trained. <laughs> I've been trained <laughs> to have long periods of, of wait time between my books. Right. So now it's like, yeah, I'll read a book. I'll read a series as it's being written. I'll read the books when they come out. I don't have mm. to wait and read them all, binge them all in one go. In fact, sometimes I get uh, fatigue doing that. Mm. Um, so give me lots of different things to read in between them and I'm fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I will say like, you know, I'm, I'm going through A Song of Ice and Fire. I've read the first one like three times and the second one a couple of times. I've never actually gotten through them. Well, you know, Storm of Swords is my favorite so far. Like I'm really like struggling through a feast of feast for crows. Like I, it's a struggle. Like, I, there's yes, not yeah. a whole lot going on, and mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, take the show out of it. Like I know how the seasons play out and stuff, but like I'm like, man, I somehow I've got to get through this book. I have to imagine, you know, oh. a Dance of Dragons is better, but like <laughs> it is so hard getting through this book. It is, and, and it isn't. Yeah, <laughs> hate to disappoint you. And what frustrates me as well is that he will spend 500 pages having introduced a new character only to kill them by the end of the book. And I'm like, what was the point? Like, literally, I don't know what the point of this character was. I don't feel that it actually progressed the plot in any way, shape or form. Yeah. And the book would have been no poorer for them not having been in there. I don't. And especially especially in this this volume, I mean, there are all these characters introduced and and I go like into the wiki and I'm like, I don't remember this character. Like, again, show is different than the book. But I'm like, I don't remember this character. And it says, oh, they were a minor character. And this character was actually never in the show. So they just didn't even put them in there. And I go, so now they're dead. And like, there was like 200 pages that could have just been nothing. And you could have just, yeah. you know, kept on with the same 20 other characters that we've been reading yeah. about for four books. I mean, you know, and that being said, Martin's writing is beautiful oh yeah like his his turner phrase is you know can stop me in my tracks when i read so i don't begrudge reading stuff but sometimes when you're waiting having long periods of time like you know almost decades between books and you're like you get this book and you're like what why this is part of why why have we not progressed the story why have we got this instead yeah. because yeah i love your writing but i'm also invested in the story and mm-hmm. i want to see the story progress yeah so, so get- far a feast for crows has just been like people talking about how ugly brianna tarth is <laughs> like for like 300 pages and i'm like oh gosh oh where's jamie lannister when you need him <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, so he had that. Quit my Tyrion. Like, I need something. (laughs) Yeah, he had that whole thing where he had to cut um, Dance of Dragons in two. That's where Feast for Crows came from. And he cut Mm -hmm. basically, or did he say everything that's happening in the south, the east, the the south and the west, and then everything in the north and the the far east happens in Dance of Dragons. Um, So you only get half of each. It's (sighs) kind of like, ugh. Ugh. Yeah, too bad if one of your if one of your main characters, if you were reading it when it was published, <laughs> because then you just have to wait years again for the for the other the of story for the other oh, story. But oh, that yeah. that does concern me a little bit in terms of juggling mm-hmm. uh, storylines, because um, my book starts off with you've got Carl and Darian, who are the two brothers are my mains, but they, you have their fr- your fr- their friends around with them, Meg, Savani, Sim, um, even um, the captain of the Rangers, Jarek, and Starbinder, um, Ayanna, and her offsider, Leon. And um, 
other characters are going to come in. So they basically spend most of all, all of this book traveling together before they get separated towards the end. So the next book, they are going to be uh, in separate, they won't be together in chapters. And there's going to be different threads and different storylines coming in that I'm thinking, hold on. <laughs> this is one of these things where you don't plan everything out beforehand. You've suddenly got all these threads going in different directions. And you've got to work their stories. So their stories have ebbs and flows and um, are compelling and still interest people and want them to keep reading. And then mm. you need to work out how much time are you going to give each one of these threads and how many pages is that adding to the book and how many, yeah. how much longer is the series going to be to resolve all these things that are just developing, they start growing. It's like I, in this book, uh, The Blood of the Spear, I, I in one of my rewrites, I decided, no, no, um, these characters who were going to be, um, well, Ayanna and Leon had started at the beginning of the book and worked their way all the way through with everybody else. And then I worked, thought, no, you know what? It actually works better if they come in at the middle of the book. So I then had to go back and pull them out. And it is like pulling a thread in a rug. You've got, like, they are intertwined in everything. Right. And you've got to pull it all out and then fix up the gaps where they were and hope you haven't missed them and left them in there somewhere, I think I've gone now. It's gone through enough edits now <laughs> that I'm pretty sure they're all gone. But I still worry that someone's going to come around and say, what was that there? Like, yeah. Um, but it's a really difficult thing to do. It's like bone and sinew. It's like it's all entwined. Um, it's hard to take these threads apart. And then when they start growing out in their own directions, you got to get the um, hedge trimmers out <laughs> and start shaping. <laughs> cut off here cut off there redirect the flow yeah so um, that's like uh so i went and reread the first three books and josiah bancroft's uh books of babel series uh, you get the fall coming out and right. uh i <laughs> sent him a sent him a twitter dm and they go um why does the sphinx why is the sphinx referenced as a female to some and a male to others and then literally my question got answered five minutes later and but, but like that whole like five minutes where I was sitting there pondering it, I'm going, did Josiah do that on purpose or did like somebody not catch this? And then, yeah. then literally, literally it was answered because like a character was like, why, why is that happening? And I go, why did I just wait <laughs> and just ask, not ask, just, just wait and have it explained to me. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's always interesting because, you know, you're, you're talking about having to go back through and make sure you didn't miss anything. You know, I, I'm always curious, you know, if if authors do that, if there's like a, a she misplaced or a he or somebody's name gets left because you know they didn't do a control F and find all the names. Yeah, <laughs> I have um, I have a friend who's a traditionally published author and she was writing the most recent recent book in her series. And she was bringing a character that hadn't been around for a couple of books back into it and had to go back and just and work out what color eye she'd given them, only to find that in various books they had different colored eyes. So, <laughs> so, so the eyes were different depending on their mood. So, yeah, 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 right? It's like, so I made sure I have got a, um, an Excel file. 
<laughs> with character descriptions and names and where they first came in. Oh and then I can go back and like, oh, who was that? And what did they look like? Right. Okay. Thank you. Because <laughs> there are some side characters that I mentioned once and I'm just like, I have no idea what I named that person. Right. Who are they? <laughs> because because they'll come back around it. and you're like, crap, I, I yeah. know I had this person somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, tell me, can you tell me what is the blood of the spear about? It is about um, a world that has been, uh, I say, torn asunder mm-hmm. by um, a war between uh, a, a race, magic users that are called summoners. They had the ability to summon um, elementals. Um, that gave them great power and they built this massive civilization and then some of the summoners looking for um, immortality uh, opened a um, a rift I guess you would call it or a portal into the void and made um, packs with dark powers there and began summoning demons mm. and so a massive war um, came out between the summers like a civil war and destroyed the world as everyone knew it and led uh, to the extinction of summoners um, because there it's a specific you're either born a summoner or you're not or you develop powers of a summoner and uh, the um, ability to summon is identified by a mark that appears on the back of your hand, um, almost like a tattoo, but it's kind of like a holographic tattoo that sits above the skin. Um, So anybody who develops that mark now is basically executed. So summoners aren't around anymore, but uh, some of the demons and the um, tears in reality are still around and the demons come out and all that sort of stuff. And at the end of that war, there was a prophecy made that the demon queen who had tempted these summoners to the dark side um, would return or she would come again and the demon hordes would come again and an emperos uh, so an emperos was the um, most powerful of summoners basically the title of their leader um, someone who had the ability to become an emperos would be born and only their rising to power would be able to save the world from the return of the demon queen and her hordes and so that prophecy has been floating around for years and years and years and the blood of the sphere is about two half brothers kyle and darian torrent and um the discovery that their bloodline is uh directly related to one of the last emperors who um had been around three thousand years ago and the discovery of the bronze spear. So the bronze spear is um, an ancient relic or artifact that was created by the summoners. And Kyle, uh, to everybody else, it looks like an old spear with a rusty head on it. When Kyle picks it up, it transforms into this beautiful magic bronze, uh, looks like bronze uh, headed spear. And that's like the first sign of the prophecy sort of thing, the return of this spear. So they are literally the blood of the spear. Um, and factions start going after them for control. Uh, some to kill them, get rid of them. Others because they have different agendas that they want someone who would have the power of a summoner to, um, to help fulfill. Um, and these guys are like, we just want to live our lives, leave us alone. 
Um, they had their own plans and their own hopes and dreams. And so they take off. And so it's a bit of a chase um, in some regards about them trying to get away from Prince Alessander, who um, is a character in the first half of the story, um, who they have some involvement with and who wants them for his own schemes. Um, and Darian, who wants to become a magic user, or Soralis, um, and he's kind of like doesn't want a part of any of this. It's not his thing. He's heading off to a to a Solier and the Soralis in the Palace of the Eye of Eternity, and he's going to learn how to to wield the light of the eye. And Kyle, as the older brother, because they're all not all the family they have, but their mother passed away not long before the story had started. They don't know their fathers. Um, because they're the only family that got Kyle is like the big brother I have to protect you and this is a bad thing you shouldn't be you shouldn't be you know wanting to learn how to wield the uh, the light of the eye um it only comes to bad things and then they're both marked with his blood of the summoners um and he's kind of following um uh Darian to make sure he's okay and their friends get caught up in it as well and they have their own hopes and dreams and plans of what they want to do um and then halfway through they meet the Shalloway Starbinder, Ayanna, who has, whose uh, order were the ones who made the prophecy, and she has her own agendas as well. So there's lots of politics and different power groups and, and stuff, and lots of chasing, and the demons are part of it, and um, they all come into it. So it's about what's going to happen between the two of them, like mainly who is the one who who's going to have the, have the mark of the summoners, who is going to be the one who has the ability to come and Emperor's. Um, either of them, both of them, um, all those sorts of questions. Um, and towards the end of the book, um, there's been a demon chasing them as well. And towards the end of the book, there's big battles. And well, there's battles throughout the book, but there's a massive one at the end. And a lot of them get uh, separated after that. So um, there's a little bit of a cliffhanger at the end in terms of there's a resolution, but there's a terms of in terms of what happens next. There's a cliffhanger. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's two brothers, one prophecy, and a world in peril, which is my tagline. <laughs> um, <laughs> Perfect tagline. <laughs> yeah. Right. So um, I've gotten really, really good feedback. So I'm really pleased. Um, I, whenever, you know, I hire these editors and they tell me X, Y, and Z and, you know, that they enjoyed it and all this sort of stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, but, you know, did you? But you give it out to people or bloggers who have, you know, no need to say, yes, I enjoyed it, other than, yeah, they did enjoy it. So mm -hmm. getting that feedback that I have gotten so far has been so um, rewarding. It's been an absolute thrill. Um, I've been quite lucky with my feedback so far. You know, enjoy it while it lasts. It may not, um, and that's okay. But while it does, I'm really, really happy. I just need more people to read it and love it. Yeah, yeah, I understand. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's the struggle. <laughs> yeah. It's like what somebody um, likened um, author, an author particularly our self-published authors uh, trying to get people to read your book is like walking to a room of screaming toddlers and asking them to pay attention to you it's like it's it's you know struggle but yeah yeah <laughs> we go yeah i mean and you know and you're you're in spiffbo um so yeah. how, how's that experience been for you so far 
Um, well, to be honest, pretty quiet for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm still in it. I haven't been cut yet. Hey. But that's good. Hey, yeah. I mean, you, you made the top 150, so. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, although I am in the group with um, uh, Dragon Mage by ml spencer so i'm kind of like oh i'm dreading that because she's <laughs> it's a killer book it's so good and um she's just been getting praise after praise after praise and like so i'm just like will i you know going up against uh, against that as becoming a favorite to be pushed forward is always a bit of a i uh, don't know how we're going to go but hey i'm in it and that's great um, yeah. And any exposure is good exposure. So more people who see it just because somebody didn't like it, their reasons for not liking it might sound to somebody else the reason that they would. So, absolutely, you know. absolutely. I mean, it's you know, it's one of those things. It's free to enter and it's free publicity, and you've got absolutely. you know at, at least a, a blog, if not potentially multiple blogs, you know, reading it, and that means yeah. even even multiple readers from those blogs reading it. Um, and you know, if anybody's talking about it. It gets pushed out to a bunch of other people. You know, you do the SOT tour. Uh, so, I mean, you know, it, it'll get there. I, I know, you know, it, it's 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 like luck of the draw. I mean, you've got you've got some some books that are really great that don't hit their stride for a while, and then you have some that just hit just really hard on like that specific day for some reason. But I know it'll get there. You've got a killer cover. You've got a killer premise. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's only a matter of time. So, um, well, tell me, last question I got for you. What What are some uh, some books you've read recently that you'd recommend? Uh, I would recommend, well, Dragon Mage. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I'm currently reading The Desert Prince by um, Peter V. Brett, which is also really exciting. Um, he's one of those... He's one of those writers that's gone up towards, you know, my top 10 um, in over the years with his, uh, was it the Watered Man cycle or the Demon cycle, I think. Is the Demon cycle. Uh -huh. Yeah, Demon cycle. Yep. Um, I have read recently Ryan Cahill's uh, novel um, of Blood and Fire, and that was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, anything by Melissa McPhail. If you've never read any of her stuff, you're missing uh -huh. out. She um, is an indie published author as well, um, has done six books in the series so far. I think one, one more is coming. Uh, the Patterns of Light and Shadow uh -huh. series, really, really good stuff. Um, and it's really hard off the top of my head. What else have I read? Um, I just finished reading and I binged this like nothing on the planet the cradle series by will white uh, um uh, my, 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 my co-blogger david schaefer is like the biggest fan and apparently will's yeah. at dragon con he's just a couple oh, hours really? away from me right now yeah he oh, and uh, wow. travis baldry are both there they like met for the first time uh okay. he, yeah I don't, I don't know if you listen to the audiobooks but travis does all the audio for the cradle no. series so like no, they they have all these books together and they just like finally met for the first time oh cool Mm -hmm. oh, that's awesome so yeah no that was my first um real adventure in um i think they're calling it progression fantasy now aren't they or something cultivation cultivation or, yeah yeah cultivation yeah so i'm really really into that <laughs> like i totally i dig it um and because like i play a lot of world of warcraft um and one of the things i like the most about it is leveling up 
I love mm. taking my character from zero and being like next to nothing in terms of power and getting them to max level. Um, I really, really love it. So coming across books that write like that as well, where you watch characters level up, mm-hmm. really, really get into that. So next to um, Epic Fantasy, that's probably my next new favorite thing. Oh, yeah, um, sure. So there's a lot of stuff for me to, um, to look for in that. Because I had read as well the... Um, which is a little bit similar. The um, Iron Prince. Is it the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For uh, Mike, O'Connor. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. That was amazing. That was so That's good. a chunk of a book, too. It is. And <laughs> I devoured it. I couldn't put it down. Like, it was for Asia. I was like, going, am I going to like this or not? I loved it really good book that's awesome um, yeah, yeah we've actually got a uh we've got quantum cultivation by jc king in our uh in our pool for spiff bow okay. uh so that might be another one to look forward to yeah. uh if you really like you said you enjoyed Will white's books so yeah um well that's awesome that's a great list of books i i definitely appreciate that um but uh but mark i really thank you so much for taking the time to to come chat with You're me welcome. uh best of luck in spiffbo with the blood of the spirit I'm gonna, i gotta i gotta show the cover one more time i know it's gonna i know it's gonna be a little glossy but yeah blood yeah. of the spear the uh, eye of eternity book one is available it's 99 cents right now if you want a kindle copy uh or you can get a hardcover or a paperback um but yeah best of luck in spiffbo uh best of luck uh with book two uh definitely we'll look forward to to seeing uh the cover for it as well um, yeah and mark uh we'll have to do this again sometime that would be great thanks so much for having me absolutely